With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Here with the 89th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. The Falcons find themselves on Monday trying to pick up the pieces after a 28-16 loss to the Cleveland Browns in First Energy Stadium. The Falcons lost a smash-mouth battle. The Browns didn't do anything fancy. They lined up and ran the ball right at them and pulled out the victory. We're going to talk about a couple different things here today in the 89th episode. The run defense. A couple guys that uh, didn't want to talk to the media. What happened to the passing attack? Also look at the uh, pass rush situation. And the power offense. The Falcons refused to add a power uh, into their offense. And it hurt them again here. That was one of their Super Bowl lessons. And they still haven't fixed it. Didn't even have the fullback eligible to play yesterday. So, and then next up, the Dallas Cowboys will be coming to town. Let's start off here with the pass rush uh, issue. The Browns ran the ball and just threw off of the uh, play-action fake, so the pass rushers weren't on the field uh, a lot. Matter of fact, uh, they didn't play over half of the game. Vic Beasley only played 21 snaps, 40% of the defensive action. Tack McKinley, 24 snaps, 45%. And newly signed Bruce Irvin, 14 snaps, 26%, zero sacks, zero quarterback hits for the Falcons on those 20 pass attempts. They didn't touch the rookie quarterback at all. Clean day for him. Bruce Irving did have two tackles. The defense was led by Devondre Campbell's eight tackles. Now... The run defense, how did it so happen that the run defense was shredded by Nick Chubb for 176 yards? How did that happen? The run defense had done a good job against Adrian Peterson and the Washington Redskins, holding him to 17 yards on nine carries. They'd done a good job against Saquon Barkley. Holding him to 43 yards. They said their plan was to gang tackle Chubb. They weren't able to do that. The Browns had lead blockers. They ran power. Uh, You know, did a really good job. Chubb got loose on the 92-yarder, picking up a key block from Antonio Callaway. And a key missed tackle by DeMonte Casey, which would explain why he might not want to talk to the media after the game. He went low, and uh, I'm wondering if he was scared to go high because of all the fines he was racking up earlier in the season. But you don't, that shouldn't be a high-low option. It should be, you know, a regular form tackle on the sidelines. You shouldn't be sweeping in 
at people's uh, legs and and missing. If you're gonna do it that way, go tackle the guy. Hit him. Wrap. Lift. You don't have to hit him in the head. Hit him in the waist. But anyway, missed tackle on that play that that went for 92 yards by Nick Chubb, the former University of Georgia running back from Cedartown. It was a career day for him. It was the longest touchdown in Browns history. The uh, longest before that was 90 yards by the great Bobby Mitchell in 1959. If I read my plane dealer correctly on the plane this morning. So the run defense, it's a bad time for it to to be going sideways. They got a pretty good running back coming into town next week and then uh, off to New Orleans for Thanksgiving dinner. Second, DeMonte Casey, he didn't want to talk, and Trufant blamed the cameras for getting in his face after a loss, and uh, he's usually a stand-up guy. Maybe they just had a bad day at the office, but Casey, when he gets his interceptions and has his good plays, and he stood up early in the season in Jacksonville and talked about things, but he didn't want to talk about that missed tackle yesterday and uh, had some words for one of the other reporters. Uh, after the game. So what happened to the passing attack? The the Falcons had a clear advantage there going into the game, uh, but the uh, Browns got after them in the passing game, and uh, the Falcons were not able to travel via air with Muhammad Sanu, Julio James, and Calvin Ridley. And Sanu actually probably had one of the biggest blunders in the game, when the Falcons couldn't score right before halftime, then they come out. They, you know, it's still a uh, 14-10 game, and um, you know they drive down, take control of the game, and going about their business, get up out of Cleveland with a win. But uh, for some reason, they get behind the chains on second and 18, and uh, Muhammad Sanu gets a short pass out in the flats. And he tries to stick the ball out while he's 14 yards away from the first down marker. I don't know why he did it. We talked to him about it. His answer, we'll have that for you here in a second. But let's hear what Julio had to say about what happened to the passing attack. It's hard to like really, you know, pick and tell you like what's going on right now. But like I knew they played a lot of too high today, and we didn't, we didn't, you know, make our plays when we needed to in certain situations. Um, but like I said, I, we just need to watch film. You know, we're way, way better ball club. Yeah. Um, what we scored today, I don't even know what we scored. Yeah, see, see, we're way better team than you. So, like, in my head, like, so that's on us. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? We don't have to reinvent the wheel. That's, that's on us. We just got to go back to the drum board. And when people play cover two and things like that, there you go, Julio Jones. He said when they people make, play them cover two, they have to make them pay. Hey, one other thing back to the run defense, and we'll get back. We'll just jump back and forth here for a second. But, yeah, the Browns got into an inverted wishbone, and it was no clue there what they were – no secret there what they were going to do, and uh, they tried to run out of it. it. It looked pretty good. The Falcons looked confused for a minute. Then they did get an interception when they tried to throw a halfback option out of it. But uh, the um, the inverted wishbone was part of how Cleveland decided to attack by running the ball. Now we talked to Mohamed Sanu after the game. 
asked him why he stuck the ball out, and uh, here's what he had to say. Lost, leave this team. Uh, I mean, it just happened. So we got to go look at the film and see what we got to practice before. Um, Muhammad, I was late. Um, what happened on the fumble? Did you feel that uh, you had reached it out, or, or, or what was going on there? I mean, you saw I reached it out and knocked it out. Simple. Why were you reaching it out 14 yards short of the first down? Though? I was falling forward. Uh, and then um, what do you all try to do to get back on track after this loss? Correct our mistakes and move forward. Okay, there you have it. He said he was falling down, falling forward. So he stuck the ball out. So um, I don't know. That doesn't make sense to me. Um, I don't think you want to stick the ball out while you're falling down. You want to protect it. Uh, not expose it to danger. Uh, so, Will, that's what he said. We asked him about it directly. It didn't make sense to us, not to many football people, to be sticking that ball out like that. I don't know if he was showboating, styling, profiling, whatever he was doing, but it certainly didn't help the Falcons' cause against the Cleveland Browns on Sunday. So, fourth, fourth point here today, the power offense. Y'all getting tired of me preaching about it. I I backed off a little bit. Uh, But here, third and one on the goal line, they tried to sneak. Then they had a penalty by the Browns, and they tried to run Coleman in there, and he got with no lead blocking. He gets sacked. He gets tackled, and then they throw a ball in the back of the end zone that never had a shot to Eric Solbert. Just bad, bad uh, short yard situation throughout the day. The fullback wasn't even active. Ricky Ortiz was not active. And, uh, you know, it's pretty clear they need to add some power in these obvious short yard situations. And, and you know, not running rub routes and uh, things of that nature. But the uh, when they need a yard, it's a problem for the Falcons. And uh, they still need to figure that part of it out. Here's some Matt Ryan after the game. Discussing this loss, this absolutely horrible loss to the Cleveland Browns to drop the Falcons to four and five. Well, that had some momentum going and uh, one three in a row. How tough is it to lose this game to the Browns today? Yeah, it was disappointing. Um, you know, obviously, got to give credit to, to Cleveland. I thought they played really well, uh, made a lot of good plays. Um, but we just we fell short. We didn't make enough plays when we needed to. Um, didn't play up to the standard uh, that we're capable of playing, and uh, we need to do that as we move forward, get ready for next week. We've got to play better. Did you all take this team lightly? They 2-6-2, uh, two, two, fired the coach. It looked like they were in disarray. Uh, was that an issue coming into the game? I don't think so. Um, you know, I think we've got a group of guys that prepare really well week in and week out. Um we just didn't play well enough. I think the mindset was right during the week. Uh, the execution on Sunday and, and the performance that we put out was was not what we needed. The level of the setback was it surprised you? Because you guys had been playing better every week. You got some momentum, made a move, and everybody's getting excited. Yeah, I mean, it, it is disappointing because we have been playing better than this uh, the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, so, so from that standpoint, it, it is disappointing. We're better uh, than, than what we put out there today. But, you know, we are what you put out there week in and week out. 
performance today was not good enough for us. Matt um, that's Matt Ryan. He he doesn't think the um, the Falcons took the Browns lightly. If that is not the case, that's even more troubling. I mean, they got beat up by the better team. Which uh, going into the game, nobody thought that the Browns were the better team. They were five and a half point underdogs. So uh, you know they either got out coached, outplayed, out schemed. Uh, maybe all of the above, but Matt Ryan said they didn't take them lightly. Uh, there's some comments out there by uh, Devondre Campbell that suggest they did, uh, and I did talk to Foyer Ulakan, and he said they came out flat. How are you going to come out flat against a 2-6-1 and one team that uh, you're supposed to boat race or at least dominate or at least control most or part of the action? The Falcons were never in control of this game. Even when they went up 10-7, uh, it didn't feel like they were in control. So next up, the Falcons are 4-5. and five. The beauty of it all is, hey, the NFC's not very good pretty much after the Saints and uh, the Rams there. And the Saints have uh, blasted off, dropped 51 on the Bengals. They are 8-1, eight 8 in a row. Uh, they've taken control and charge of the NFC South. While Carolina dropped a 1-2 Pittsburgh last week. And uh, they're six and three. Then you got the Falcons at four and five, and then Tampa Bay at three and six. So, uh, but the the beauty for the Falcons is is that there's a pack of four and five teams, and f- five and four teams, and just some undistinguishable stuff here in NFL parody land, to where they can still write their ship and do whatever they need to do here. But it's gonna have to start. With this game against the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday at 1 p.m. at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. If they're having trouble stopping the run by Sunday again, then that's going to be another long day for them as the Cowboys will come in and feature Ezekiel Elliott. Had a really nice 32-yard run against the Eagles last night where he hurdled the, the defender. You know, he's an old track guy from from U-City there outside of St. Louis. And uh, I think he went to John Burroughs High in St. Louis before going to Ohio State. So if they're not stopping the run, uh, whoo, that's going to be another long day at the office. But they did. They've got something to draw on. And the big specter this week is, hey, what's up with Deion Jones? Can he make it back? He's eligible to play this game. We saw him a lot early last week, not so much late. So we don't know how the um, foot is doing during all this testing here. So we should have an update this week on whether Dion's back or not or if they're going to wait to the New Orleans game or just exactly what's going on with his foot. So with that, we're going to wrap it up today here at the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Just an absolutely horrible loss up in Cleveland to the Cleveland Browns, 28-16. Pushed the Falcons back down under 500 here, and now they'll get ready for the Dallas Cowboys. We talked about the run defense. Casey and Trufant being a little shook after the game, not wanting to fulfill their media uh, requirements. Uh, What happened, or at least politely decline them. What happened to the passing attack? Why why did Muhammad Sanu stick the ball out? And the power offense. They still haven't fixed that. Uh guess that's part of the scheme is not to be able to run the ball on third and one. Uh, 
and uh, it came back to haunt them again. With that, we're going to exit here from the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. This is the 89th episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons, who are set to play the Dallas Cowboys at 1 p.m. Sunday at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Take care and have a great rest of the week. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution is taking Georgia political coverage to the next level. Now, Georgia's smartest political team is adding Hall of Fame political broadcaster Bill Nygut. I am beyond thrilled to be joining the remarkable political team at the AJC. And with the year that we have unfolding in politics, it's going to be an exciting ride. Read Bill Nygut's expert insight on AJC.com and listen to the Politically Georgia podcast with me, Greg Bluestein, And me, Patricia Murphy. And me, Tia Mitchell. Hear new episodes every weekday. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.